Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Rider Flex podcast. Along with our daily tips on career advice, our show features entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, and influencers from all types of industries, sharing their stories, providing advice based on their experiences, and chatting about their companies. If you're interested in being a guest on our show, you can email us at podcast at riderflex.com. And if you like today's episode, please be sure to subscribe to our channel and give us a quick thumbs up. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. I was on the treadmill this morning and I was re-listening to our first interview. I was like, man, that was a, that's a, that is a good interview. No wonder it's like one of our top, I think it's like out of, out of 200 plus people, I think it's like number three most listened or whatever. Really? My God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And I was re-listening to the, uh, in particular, the, the uh, segment around us talking about contingency versus retained. I mean, that is really good shit. I might actually reclip that and use that as a new highlight because that is really good. I was listening to it this morning. But anyway. Um, yeah, no, it, 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 that's a subject I've invested a lot of time in the past yeah. in, in <laughs> doing and thinking about and kind of working out the various arguments. So, yeah, it's um, it was good. Yeah, it's something I believe in a lot. Um, yeah. But also, Steve, you've got, also got a factor and you're a really good interviewer. You're dead easy well, to talk to, you know, so that helps. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I wish we could do it over a couple of pints. That would be even more interesting because then we'd really, then we'd really say what we wanted to. Well, hey, maybe maybe there's an idea for a new show right there, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Mitch Sullivan, Mitch Sullivan, I'm so glad that you came back to the Rider Flex podcast. One of my favorite guests uh, was listening to our interview this morning when I was on the treadmill. I can't run on the treadmill anymore, but I I can walk. I'm 54, so I got to be a little careful. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Was listening. Great interview. Appreciate you coming back on the show. I'm going to ask you a bunch more interesting questions. How you been, man? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay, busy. Like uh, everyone in our industry right now is saying busy, and and they're kind of looking like that because they're just working so flat out. Obviously, you know, I'm dealing with a lot of recruiters every day who are doing our training. Mm. You know, and trying to get them to certain deadlines they have to hit in terms of getting the pre-recorded part done, writing a new job ad, getting it sent in on time, and um, and my assistant Susie has a work cut out because they're just so, so busy. And of course they put the stuff off until the last minute because they're working on jobs and they've got demanding clients and, you know, so. Right, right. So yeah, it's tough out there. It's tough out there for a lot of people. After our first interview, that did something to me, right? You, 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 uh, you got me now to where every time I see a job uh, posting, I'm, I'm a lot more critical on the content and, and the writing from after our first interview. Even our own, I mean, here at Rider Flex, I, you know, we do an okay job of, of the content itself, but uh, we could be much better. And I'm so much more critical now after our first interview, because you're right. Most of the job postings really do suck. I mean, they're, they're, they're bad. <laughs> well, they, they, they only suck because they're thinly veiled cuts and pastes from a job description. That's right. And a job description, right. if you've tried to, you've been, I don't know if you've ever read, well, you must have, you obviously read job descriptions, but... I mean, how many people really read a job description line by line? Most of the time we scan it, don't we? Because yes. they read like ransom notes. It's like, we want, we want, we want. You must, you must, you know? Um, and that's only going to play to people who desperately need another job. It's not going to play to people who 
are in jobs they don't need to leave. Why would mm. it? You know? They do read like ransom notes. I never thought of that. That's good. I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> That's hey, good. I, I built an ad campaign just around that very idea. I'll, I'll, afterwards, I'll send you a, I'll send you an example of it. You, yeah. yeah, absolutely, um, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, for the listeners, I want to get into some. I'm going to ask you about some more personal life stuff. I, I was listening to my first interview oh. with you. I was like, oh, I forgot to ask him about this, this, and this. So I got a few questions, but real quick for the listeners, I just want to make sure I tell them, and we'll talk about this at the end too. Copywritingforrecruiters.com copywritingforrecruiters.com uh mitch sullivan also on linkedin with a huge fan base on linkedin uh, almost forty-five thousand followers uh, always putting out great content there as well be sure you check him out and his book available on amazon uh, uh right now and the book is on recruiting is the title available on, on recruit yeah on recruitment it's um it's funny you give the there's always this disparity between how us Brits talk about recruit. We say recruitment, you say recruiting. Oh, so, sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's fine. It's just, it's just, listen, um, let me advise anyone who's listening not to buy the book because once the new website is up, I should be giving the book away for free. Ooh, okay. And when's yeah. the new website launch? I don't know, a couple of months yet. But, um, but okay. um, the, book, the book has done its job. Um, okay, okay. And yeah, it was never about making money, although I have made some money um, from it. But yeah, I'm going to be giving it away as part of the marketing of the new website um, soon. Wow. All and right. it is a good book, actually. I've, I've had a lot of really good feedback because it's kind of, my book did to recruitment books what Hunter S. Thompson did to journalism, really. And that, <laughs> right. that may be kind of a bit grandiose, but, you know, it, it, it's, it's a far more informal style of writing. Um, you got, yeah. Which is why I think quite a lot of people liked it, so... You got another book coming? Anything in, in, in the works? My my other half, Lucy, keeps telling me you've got enough other blogs to bring out a version two of that book. Um, and I think, oh, am I kind of straying into selling rope for old money here? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I'll, have, I'll have another look at it. Maybe. But it's, okay. It, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. And Lucy, is Lucy your wife, girlfriend? What, what's the status of we're not married. We've just been together for 15 years. So uh, okay. it's kind of like being married, really. I understand. She, you, you asked her and she said no. <laughs> oh, she, she constantly says no. Yeah, yeah. I stopped asking. Stopped asking, really. She's been, uh, been together 15 years. I didn't get a chance to talk to you about that last time. So you were, because uh, you have two children from your first marriage, I think, right? I do. Yeah, they're both in their 20s now. So, yeah. Is that two boys, one boy, one girl? What is that? A girl at 26 and a lad at uh, 23. We'll be 23 in a couple of months. Yeah. Are they in the business at all? Uh, HR recruiting? No. no, no. No. My daughter's in education, uh, teaching, and Zach, we don't know where he's going to go yet. Um, it's, he's only just left university, so he still really doesn't know what, what he's, what he's going to do. Okay, very good. And your your uh, your ex wife is she? Some you do you send her Christmas cards or you're, you're not on? Yeah, the <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, we uh, we get on well. We get on well these days. Yeah. Well, that helps. That helps, especially oh, when uh, your your children start having children and there's grandchildren. If you get along with your ex wife, that'll be convenient. Yeah. No, it's it's it's. I would never have predicted this ten years ago. So um. So yeah, it's it's good. Touch okay. wood. I'm wood to touch. There we go. You mentioned last time we talked uh, that you didn't know who your real blood father was. Your mom was Irish. Um, I forgot to ask you, did you ever find, did you ever do like uh, 
one of those. I mean, we are, we are, we're, we're going deep, aren't we, in the personal role here? Um, no, when, when I found out, and I was a teenager when I was told, um, uh, in a fit of temper, ironically, which is kind of bizarre. It was like, I had this deja vu feeling when it was happening. Um, I wanted to act all grown up and mature. So I said, no, it doesn't matter. You know, I don't really need to know anything about him. If he kind of dumped you when you got pregnant, why would I want to know him? He doesn't sound like a good bloke. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I've got older, it's kind of come back to me a little bit. I thought I'm kind of I'm a bit more curious now to see mm-hmm. what genetics were passed over. But it's too late now. He'd be dead by now. So um, probably. So um, so yeah. But no, for most of my life, it's it, I've been completely unconcerned by it. Okay. And did your mom remarry? Did you have a stepdad when you were growing up? I think yeah. She she well she she didn't have to, she didn't remarry because um, the the father uh, was just a boyfriend. And I, I think it was relatively oh. casual. Um, oh, I see. I see. So, yeah, so she she's still married to him now. Um, and I was, I think, 18 months when they got married, 18 months oh. old. So okay. I only ever knew him as my dad until I, I found out he wasn't. Yeah. I see. Were you a troublemaker, teenager? Were you like in, in jail all the time? Were you like straight A student? Were you like reading Bible verses, go to the library every day? Or what, what was your style? <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was kind of in the middle of all those things. So, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of didn't have a great track record at school in terms of behaviour, but I was never that troublesome. Um, I was often accused of... One of my, one of my teachers um, uh, at the sort of... I don't know what the equivalent is in America, um, sort of sixth form college, but um, high school, is it? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, he said, look, he mucks around in class. He's got a bit too much of that um but he'll probably pass the exams through sheer native cunning <laughs> and, and that's that's what he told my parents so i kind of I, I i was a decent enough student but i didn't work hard enough really that's pretty good did you get married super early your first wife no i didn't i got married at uh, how old was i 34 i think um so relatively late um and it was the desire to have kids that drove a lot of that certainly okay. from both our parts yeah so so yeah i i am um, yeah i was ready at 34 okay. Okay. okay isn't it interesting how everybody's just full of shit you know i i maybe i shouldn't say everybody but damn i you know we meet people all the time you know clients candidates my partner and i go to dinner with people and we just drive away going what why does everybody just have to kind of lie a little bit why does everybody have to fake it out why does everybody have to Make it sound yeah. bigger than it's like, come on, man. Just, just, you know, just be real. Just answer the questions. You don't, you don't need to fake it. <laughs> well, yeah, it, I, look, I think we all actually want to try and put our, the best version of ourselves forward. Yeah. 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 While still sort of grappling with the whole idea of sort of authenticity and, you know, being real and being believable. So, and everyone's got a different version of what that should look like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I wasn't expecting any of these questions. You kind of caught me, caught me on the hop here. This will teach me for not asking you what you're going to talk to me about. <laughs> um, lots, ha- lots happened since you've been on the podcast. It was almost a year ago, like almost a year ago, a month from, from, from being a year ago. Uh, craziness with COVID. I mean, just all, kind- all kinds of stuff happening since you were on the show last can I ask you some questions around COVID and how it has affected employers and candidates and how people are acting and dealing with it? I'd like to get your thoughts on it since we talked a year ago. Um, and I think, you know, if I were to ask you, 
month by month, the same questions, it might change, right? Because everything seems to be changing so fast as we learn different things in the news and different stuff comes out. And so yeah. people's an people's answers are changing uh, by the week. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, I suspect my experience has been different to yours or a lot of people, um, you know, that side of the, of, of the Atlantic. Um, I, the, the online version of my training launched at the same time as the first lockdown happened. And that was just coincidence. Mm. So it was kind of good timing because people were starting to think about, well, I need to do more stuff from home. Yeah, including mm -hmm. training. So yeah. yep. it got off to a kind of a steady start. Um, my own kind of issue with it, personally, has been relatively straightforward in so much as I was already used to working from home a lot. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, I, uh, we don't do physical in-person training anymore. Um, and I kind of miss those because it's a completely different dynamic when you're training a group of people in a room as opposed to doing it via Zoom. But I, it took me, uh, it took about a year before I started getting twitchy about having not seen certain people for a couple of years or not being able to go to a pub and have a drink with some people or, or go out. But mm -hmm. it hasn't really bothered me that much. I've coped with it pretty well. Professionally, I mean, my training business, it hasn't really affected it at all. If, if anything, it's probably accelerated right. what growth we've had over the mm -hmm. last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I've also worked on jobs. I mean, in the last two years, I've worked on seven or eight jobs. I've worked on four or five this year. Sorry, last year, 2021. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was a completely new experience for me. Um, so to answer your question from a candidate perspective, over here at least, there, there is a level of play safe going on with candidates that I've never experienced before ever in the 147 years I've been in this business. Um, right. It, it, it's, yeah, people are, people are just a lot more prudent about their career uh, and uh, more circumspect and, and just, just be more careful, basically. Um, well, so one of those jobs took eight months to fill. Um, another of those jobs, I mean, one of those jobs I didn't manage to fill and I had three runs at it. It was just a, a sales job paying, you know, in US dollars, it would be, you know, 50,000 US dollars a year, including commission. So did the vaccinations or mask rules or remote versus office and all that, did that have an effect on being able to fill it? Blimey. It must have done. It must have done. Mm -hmm. um, certainly for the, for the one that took eight months, definitely. Um, because the target candidate audience for that job was senior finance people who are a fairly prudent bunch of people at the best of times, <laughs> I would suggest, without wanting to characterise people just based on what they do for a living. Um, but yeah, it, it has, I, but just in ways that I'm unable to measure. But right. yeah, re response rates uh, are relatively poor compared to what I'm used to because mm -hmm. you know I, I work quite hard at putting out decent job ads. Um, so... Yeah, but I've not, I've not experienced any counter offers. But look, I, I, I'm, I've only worked on five jobs in the last 12 months. You know, other recruiters work on five jobs a day. So, you know, I, I don't have as much insight as, as perhaps other people. But in here in the UK, yeah, we've more people have been vaxxed, I suspect, per capita than in the US. I think we're perhaps we're, we're a more compliant um, bunch of people in general. Um, 
which, you know, we can get into that whole kind of the basic DNA of America and that whole anti-government thing that sits in the heart of the, the birth of America as a country. But, but yeah, so I think we've coped with it reasonably well. Despite Do you think, um, so, so would you be in favor then? Would you say companies... So you think companies do have the right to force uh, employer employees to be vaccinated? They do have the right to make them wear oh, masks. Uh, I've not. Yeah, that that I, I'm not aware of that having been an issue in this country actually. And okay. I've read I've read about it in, in being an issue or seen headlines about it being an issue in the states. But um, I think the take up of the backs was very high. So we didn't really have to work that hard to convince people to go and get vaccinated. Okay. Compared to, to say the US. So, and pe- people were very compliant about wearing masks whenever mm. I went out, you know. Mm. Um, mm. It, uh, there was never really an issue. So, I, I don't imagine there was an issue at work. It, it all looked to run pretty smoothly to me, basically. Mm. I see. From what I, from what I could see, anyway. I see. I see. So, the topic of like somebody getting fired because they didn't want to get the vaccination or the topic of somebody didn't get the job because they didn't want to get vaxxed. That wasn't really a subject. I've, I've never heard of an instance of that happening in the UK. It probably has happened, but wow. I, 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 not to any great extent, I don't think, no. Interesting, interesting. Is that because we're just a bunch of cowboys and rebels over here? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't put it the way you've characterized it, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a, you know, there's there's that whole kind of, freedom thing about americans that, that seem to cherish so much and it, it's often very badly defined when you push americans like, so what does that mean really you know freedom like you know when when america went into iraq and you, i remember seeing all these people in the street being stopped by reporters saying so what you know, what are we fighting for and they're all saying freedom and i go you know and over here i was just looking at it going what do you mean freedom um so yeah i there there is um there is a strain of rebelliousness in the American psyche, for sure. <laughs> there is, isn't there? Uh, yeah, definitely. It's interesting to hear your take on it and what it's been like across the pond, so to speak, versus what it's been like here. That is that is interesting. What are your thoughts on... Well, uh, what's, well, before we move on, what's your experience been? Um, you know, I, it's a mixed bag. We um, we definitely get candidates that turn down jobs if they because they will ask us, "Do I have to be vaccinated? Do they make you wear masks?" And they'll say, "Okay, yep, I'm with. I'll, I withdraw." So we definitely get some of that. Um, we get some clients who tell us that they want us to ask about that during the interview, and other clients that that are totally against it. I, I mean, I was just, uh, we, we just filled a position recently for a client and you know, that CEO was, he didn't give a shit about vaccinations or shots or anything. Right. And he was uh, completely on the other side. And then we get other clients that are, you know, I mean, it's a mixed bag. It's all over the place. And so one of the things we did here at Riderflex is I just told all the recruiters, I said, look, here's the deal. I know everybody on this call, everybody on the team has an opinion and that's great. Um, my opinion is whatever the client wants. <laughs> so if we get a client that, that is all for vaccinations and that's who they want us to find. Cool. If we get a client that doesn't care about it and doesn't want us to mention it, that's what we support. We support each individual client and we don't as a recruiting firm share our global opinion. Our global opinion is to support the client. That's, that's been my stance, but yeah. it has been, it, ha- it has been all over the place. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Um, 
yeah, look, the whole work from home thing, um, I, you know, every company I've worked with has tried to embrace it. But to answer your question, I think the company has a right to ask people to come 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 into the office every day. And if, if people don't want to, then they find people who do. Um, mm-hmm. And if that means um, spending more money on marketing or widening the target candidate pool to, 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 to allow for people with perhaps not quite all of the skills they need, but most of them so they can train them up in the rest, if, you know, yeah, it's it's a free market economy we, we work in, isn't it? So people are free to do what they want. It's interesting. I have strong opinions on the whole topic personally that I usually don't share because I, I try to be neutral for RiderFlex. Um, but I do, um, I have thought, like like when the Super Bowl happened this last Sunday here in this country, which is a huge deal. I, I don't know if anybody with it gives, gives a crap or not, but um i'm watching the super bowl a little bit right i see all these people you know famous people politicians actors you know all these folks uh are in the stands eighty thousand people there um they didn't ask to see vaccination requirements they didn't require masks how do you feel if you're like a pilot or something for United Airlines that was fired because you didn't get the vax or you're you're an employee that recently lost your job or you're a restaurant owner and your business has been crushed because let's take a restaurant owner in LA for right there in LA right restaurant owner in LA and you gotta you can't let people in your restaurant without this or that and all these rules and then and then you watch the Super Bowl and you're like uh i think that's uh, a confusing message for for mm. for people uh, what are your thoughts there well i, no, I can't comment I, i've never watched the super bowl i've never watched a game of um what do you call it gridiron or, or f- f- football <laughs> yeah but there's no kicking so why do you call it football anyway anyway <laughs> let's not go there let's not go there um good, that's good. No, I, I i guess because you, you know you're you're a collection of federations aren't you 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 know so you've got all these individual states with so much power control over how their own affairs are run you know and that kind of sometimes collides with the national mandates i guess so and and covid was one of those um i I suspect a lot of the debate and positions people take on covid typically falls along party political lines does it oh 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 oh, definitely yes absolutely absolutely yes whether it should be that way or not, probably not, you know, but yeah, it goes that way. It seems like everything goes that way in this country. Right. So yeah, if you're on the right, most of the time you're against the vaccinations and masks. If you're on the left, you're all for it. Not that, not all the time. It's not that black and white. It's definitely gray a little bit. There's in fact, in fact, I think the majority of people are actually in the middle. The, The news media makes it sound like everybody's either hard left or hard right. But most people I talk to, there's somewhere in the middle, but you wouldn't yeah. know that watching social media. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, and the media does have certain things it's going to answer for. But, you know, it, ever since the media had to start making money, had to start making a profit, but the new sections of media organisations were no longer being carried by the other, the other services. That's changed the way news is collected and disseminated, I think, and it's become more sensationalist become a bit more biased, become a bit more, um, what's the word? Political, political. (laughs) Yeah, sensationalist. It's, yeah, just, just, 
clickbaity, call it what you like. It's it's a shame, but um, but you know, despite all that, I, I'm I'm still more likely to trust the majority of mainstream media than I am independent media on the internet in general. Really? Like, yeah, yeah. I that's think so. it. That's in, That's interesting. Oh. You say that. I think that's I think that's shifting. My 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 instincts tell me that's moving towards independent stuff and away from mainstream media as far as trust yeah. goes. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm definitely not I, an expert on that. I just think the 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 more the bigger, more established media companies have have more to lose in getting it wrong, actually, in terms of reputation and and sanctions and that kind of thing. Whereas the the independent media, online independent, don't. Mm. Um, they're, they're not really answerable to anyone. Um, mm. Well, I, I'm, I'm, the subject is way way deeper and way beyond my pay. Oh but, yeah, we could talk yeah. about it for. We could talk about it for hours. I want to ask one more question on it, though, just real quickly. This, uh, yeah. Did you see? You see what's going on with these truckers in Canada? The, the whole, you know, about the whole. Have you seen briefly, the- briefly. I used to watch a lot of CNN. It was the only uh, American news channel I could get. I can oh. still get. I used to be able to get Fox as well, which I'd also look at, just to because mm-hmm. you know, not because I'm a particular fan of their politics, but I was just curious to see how they can present certain arguments on certain political right. issues. Just. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I don't understand what's behind it. it it's, um, um, I, I think, and I'm not an expert on this, so if I quote it wrong and you're listening to this episode, feel free to comment and, and correct me. Uh, but uh, I think it was a protest because they were they were trying to require truckers going across or coming into the country from the U.S. If you were going across the border from the U.S. to Canada, you had to show vaccination. Uh, all right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the truckers were like, a lot of the truckers were like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, they're they're uh, they're clogging up the systems up there and, and pushing back. Um, it's interesting that the U.S. barely covers it. But if you go on independent stuff, you'll see it all over the place. Uh, no, I, I saw it on CNN um, on Sunday. Yeah. I, think. I, just, I was flicking around the channels and, and I watched it for five, ten minutes. Um, and I'm assuming Canada has been a lot more compliant when it comes to getting backs. Than, than, oh, I think so. It's yeah, only yeah. it's only us cowboys over here that are pushing back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I heard a great. I want to give. I want to. I heard a great line though from this guy, and then I want to get in. Then we'll move away from this COVID stuff and get into some candidate candidate advice. But uh, I heard this great line. This guy was like, he's like, let me get this straight. He's like, you can go from New York to Seattle in your semi. And nobody's going to ask you to wear a mask or ask for a vaccination card. You can go from one coast of Canada to the east coast of Canada all the way to the west coast. Nobody's going to say anything. But if you cross that line north and south, you got to show a vax card. He's like, how does that make sense? <laughs> it's a different country with different rules. Yeah, I, 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 I understand. <laughs> uh, I, I think when you look at the, if you're thinking it's, about... It's different- it's a bit like you come to my house and, and, and you know, it says no smoking on the door. You can't smoke. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Gotcha. I still like you. We're still going to be friends, but you just can't smoke. Yeah. Can't smoke here. You can't smoke here. Yeah. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, let's just go ahead and let's just go ahead and stick with touchy subjects. Uh, I asked you about this last time this whole cancel, cancel culture and censorship. We talked a little bit about it. I want to go a little deeper on that one. This is another good topic. A lot of CEOs coming on the podcast are speaking on it. Most of them are 
a lot more careful than me and you. They're, they're, they're super careful, right? They're trying to, they're trying not to give strong opinions. They're not as brave as Mitch. <laughs> yeah, but, hey, listen, I got way less to lose than they have, you know? So it's... That's true. I guess we have less to lose. Yeah, true, true. Uh, what's the latest? Now, I asked you that question a year ago. How do you feel today about, let's use, let's just use Google and YouTube. Let's start with Google and YouTube, same company. They, they own YouTube, right? Let's start with that one. How do you feel about Google having the power to just shut you down and erase you and take you off YouTube anytime they want if they don't like the narrative? If it does, if your narrative doesn't agree with theirs, what are your thoughts? Oh boy! Wow, another can of worms. Where'd you keep finding these can of worms? <laughs> um. Oh, do you know I've ha- I've had issues with this myself, not with Google or YouTube, but with communities, you know, here and there in the past. Um. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. The bottom line is is if someone else owns a platform they have the right to do whatever the hell they want. And um, you either have to play by their rules or not, really. Um, I've, I've seen people get thrown off LinkedIn and, and, or, or temporarily suspended from LinkedIn. And I, I'm thinking, what? What the hell? You know, um, there's one guy I know who built a successful training business, sold it for quite a lot of money. And decided to have some fun. Uh, I'm not going to name check him just in case he doesn't want me to name check him. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people might be able to find out who it is. He, he started this whole series of, of, it started out as blogs and articles and he was very funny. He's got a great sense of humor. And then he opened a YouTube channel and started, you know, putting, spending quite a lot of money in producing videos, basically taking the piss out of, people that he refer, he he coined the term entrepreneurs yeah okay okay people are on social media basically conning people yeah to join their training program and earn 10 times more than they've ever earned and work half as much and you know all this you know stuff yeah right maybe be it, be it sort of crypto or property or whatever it might be um and and he's been shut down a few times because they've all ganged up and complained about him from what i can I, gather um, i see he got thrown off LinkedIn, actually. Um, and the argument was that because he was using a, he created a trade name for this character that he created that was going after all these kind of entrepreneurs. So look, I've, I've seen it happen. I've seen people that I know and, and like and have a lot of respect for who put out great marketing are getting banned for periods of time because they use, you know, one piece of profanity mm-hmm. or some of the humor is a little bit off color for some people. So they get all indignant and start complaining and and um yeah and that that's 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 one of the one of the big problems with social media is is yeah how do you how do you steer that line between being a little bit edgy and being your own voice but not pissing off too many people and and i've 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 been in that territory where i've, I've been thrown off communities two or three times in the past um um and I'd be nervous to sell about getting kicked off LinkedIn. I really would. So, um, so yeah, you have to be careful. Um, but yeah, the people, I've got a lot of sympathy for both sides of the argument. So I, I feel like I'm hopping along the fence here, and I, you know, but I don't know how I don't know how to give you a better answer. Most people that answer the question struggle just like you did right there with with 
you know, making it black and white. It is, it's a little bit gray. I, I also struggle with it. And I use my own company as an example. I think of it this way, like, okay, I, I, it's quick to say, it's quick to say, Hey, Google, you, you can't, you can't just shut me down. You can't just take my YouTube channel. Like, that's not fair. Like I say one little thing, I say something on LinkedIn that you don't like, I, I go on LinkedIn and I say, vaccinations are stupid or whatever and whatever whatever topic you want to pick i go on and i ran about it and you take me down like i i immediately want to say that's not cool that's not fair that's not right especially if my business is tied to it yeah and you're affecting my revenue yeah uh, that's a big deal however i'm also a business owner right so so let's let's say i owned a coffee shop let's use the coffee shop example if I owned a coffee shop and somebody came into my coffee shop and started saying things out loud to my customers that I thought were offensive or I didn't like, I would want the power to kick them out of my coffee shop. Mm. And I think that's a good compare, a little bit good comparison to Google. Google's kind of saying the same thing. I, if they're saying things we don't like, I want the power as a business owner to kick them out. The is, is, it, is it things they don't like or is it things that are provably untrue because there's a difference yeah who decides but here's the point on that who decides if it's untrue who's making that decision okay let's at the risk of getting controversial here that's all right let's get controversial that's okay let's take an example that we're both aware of which is january 6th yeah okay okay 2020 yeah okay yeah um so you've got a large number of people in America seem to believe that that election was rigged and was stolen. Okay. Yeah. Um, they took, went to court 60 odd times. One of the arguments even reached the Supreme court. Um, and all of those courts, not just threw them out, but laughed while they did it because it was just ludicrous. The, the, the arguments were being presented and the flimsiness of the evidence. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if, if we assume that, the legal system is the closest thing to an independent body we've got in anything. Mm -hmm. um, and we're a nation of laws, which we like to refer to ourselves as both, both our countries, then surely that's provably untrue that the election was stolen because it's been through the legal system and it's got nowhere near having, having a sensible hearing because there's just this, so little evidence, but no evidence from what I've, I, I've been able to understand. So that's, that, that, would, that would fall into my category of that's provably untrue based on the legal system that we all live and abide by. Does that, now, does, that, does that provably untrue, does that trump the First Amendment? Does that trump the ability to speak your mind in the First Amendment? Uh, I, I haven't read the First Amendment line by line, but it, it, it's the, the right to free speech, yes? Yeah, right. Well, yeah, but then it, you know, it gets complicated. It, 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 is, that free, is that right to free speech? Is that right to say something that is provably untrue, causing damage to other people? And in the example I've just cited, who, it is. And who, and who decides if it's causing damage? Well, it did. It was evident. People died. People got injured. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I don't have a I, I don't have a dog in this race okay i'm just using that as the most obvious example i could think of that that 
you know, if something goes through the legal system and is found to be untrue, then it's untrue as best we can ascertain it. How about um, this? Let's, let's use this example. Let's move away from the DC thing and go to this example. What about this current? I don't even know if you know who this is, but there's a big, huge post- podcaster named Joe Rogan, right? He's got the number one podcast yeah, in, yeah. in America. And stand up. Did he used to be a stand up comedian? Joe yes, Rogan? yes, yes. And now he's a huge podcaster. Well, uh, there's, there's a movement now uh, from some people to try to get him taken off of Spotify. Because he's had guests on the show that don't fit the narrative. He's had guests on the show that, you know, certain guests that say controversial things against whatever the government is currently pushing out. Now, in all fairness, he has guests all the time from both sides, right? He, he, he's constantly bringing in, you like purple, come and talk about purple. You like yellow, come and talk about like, he's constantly bringing in both sides. But when he does bring in somebody from the side that pushes against the government narrative, you know, people get pissed and uh, people are trying to get him taken down. Mm. So my, my point is kind of back to the original question. If you're, if you're putting stuff out on social media that doesn't fit the current government and or Google narrative, should you be silenced? Uh, kind of asking. Well, I'm kinda, right, in relation to the government, no. For sure, yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but in relation to someone like Google, then yeah, it's their house, it's their rules, it's their playground. They when play when does that when does that become too much? When does that monopoly, the yeah. power, the power of Google to control information yeah, across it, the planet, when does yeah. that become too much? When do when do we have to know. say, okay, that's too much? Yeah, I don't know, but it will at some point because it has too, too big a monopoly for sure. Absolutely. But um, look, how the Internet is managed is one of the great philosophical questions we as a species are going to have to answer in the next 10 years or so. Yes. Really. Yes. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Great way to say it, Mitch. That really kind of summarizes that whole topic. How we manage that, how we as a society as a species decide who's controlling information, who's being silenced, who's deciding what's right or wrong, what algorithms are pushing stuff to, to the top of the answers. And I mean, that you're, you're right. That is a, that is a probably one of the most important things we're going to have to figure out as a, as a society. Yeah, I really do. And and that, that, you know, you throw into mix, you know, people's right to post anonymously. You know, I've, I've always right. said, look, one of the ways you can cut through this problem is, is make everybody accountable for what they say. So even if what? they post under a fake name, mm-hmm. their, their real life credentials are being logged in the system by the platform owner so that they can be held to account if necessary. Um, mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that's important. But look, I've heard people give me counter arguments to that, and, and which have made sense. And I can't remember what they are now off the top of my head, but... It's complicated. It really, really, it is really, it really is. I, I'm not an expert on this topic, but I do know that that um, and somebody can correct me in the comments on this if I say it wrong. But I do know that, you know, a good example is when when Rockefeller had so much power over the oil in, in the United States that the government finally said, OK, time out like he <laughs> we you know, yeah, I know you own it all, but 
now you've you've got such a monopoly like we have to do something different like we have to split this up like i and and by the way by the way normally i'm not for that like normally i'm not for government intervention in private business i I would normally vote against that but but in this case i think i think some of these uh, social media platforms are so powerful and have so much influence that it's we're we're reaching a dangerous we're reaching a dangerous period if we don't get it under control Totally agree. I mean, Google is its own government. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it, they it, have so much power. They have more power than any other organism on the planet, in my opinion, because they can control so much information. But anyway. And Facebook as well. Um, uh, you know, yeah. I, I don't use Facebook. I, I go there about three times a year. But I, I used it a lot when it first, when it, in 2007, I was one of the early adopters using it very, very heavily, mostly for mucking around. But... Um, but yeah, that's that's all turned ugly. Um, and now people are yeah. being herded in silos where they only ever see opinions from people who agree with them. Yes, um, yes, that is also very dangerous. You you're yeah. looking at you're looking at your phone, and the phone is feeding you the algorithms of what you've clicked on. So your 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 brain is thinking, yeah. oh oh, everybody thinks like me. Oh, doesn't everybody like purple? Because I see purple all the time. Yeah. And you're in your own little silo and you have no idea that there's this other group over here saying, what are you talking about? Yellow's the best color. Like, you know, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, how about this? Speaking, speaking of the phone. Thing, you're not going to ask me about religion now, Steve, are you? We could yeah. go there. We could go there. <laughs> Can I ask you this? I was just at a family gathering this last weekend. We uh, drove to see some family. We hung out. We got one of those uh, vacation rental homes and we had a good time. Had about 20 people there. A good time. But there were a few teenagers in the house, you know, from like like 12 to 16 or whatever. And Mitch, I mean, their head is in that phone 24-7. It is, you know, unless the parent takes the phone away, they're just not engaging. They're, 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 they are constantly this. Their head is in their phone. The, the adults are engaging and having conversation and being active and playing games or whatever. I mean, even at one point, we even busted out karaoke and, and the adults are singing karaoke. And we're all having a good time. And those teenagers, unless they were singing a song themselves, their head was in their phone. And I was, I thought to myself, like, wow, what, what kind of world are we headed towards? Are we headed to this world where these kids think that, re, that reality is inside the phone and not looking and engaging with, with humans? I was really disturbed by it. Uh, I don't know if yeah, you have any thoughts I'm, on it. <laughs> yeah, my, my kids are probably the same. Uh, I think part of that is, you know, they're teenagers. They don't want to be in the company of, of, of people our age. And I okay. get that. Why would yeah. they? Um, yeah, so the board, so where they're going to go, they're going to go on their phone. I remember being dragged to those type of events when I was 13, 14, 15. And, you know, that was, you know, I remember one time I was just wandering around these people's houses and they had a little library and I went in there and I was just pulling off. And that's actually where I am, um, where I first discovered Catcher in the Rye, you know. <laughs> wow. And I sat there, I started reading this book and went, my God, this book started having this real impact on me, just the way it was written and everything else. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. Um, but they're, yeah, they're bored. Plus, I, I think we make too big a deal of, you know, because that's not what we grew up with. Therefore, 
we think oh. there's something inherently wrong or bad with it. And it is, oh. it's just what they're used to. My, my kids grew up with, 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 with digital tech and the internet. They don't know any other world other than that. So to them, it's perfectly normal. So what you're saying is I'm just a curmudgeon. I'm just an old, I'm just a... <laughs> we, we, we all are on some levels. We all are. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I do try and put myself in their shoes sometimes, which, which perhaps that's my training is to try and imagine things from other people's perspective. Uh, that's a, that, that's a, yeah, that's a great perspective. Okay, uh, fair enough. I, I like that. I like that thought. When you go to dinner with your wife or with your, with your partner, I'll call her your partner. When you go to dinner with your partner, do you, uh, do you like no phones? You're like, hey, we're having dinner. Don't look at your phone. <laughs> yeah, no, pretty much. Yeah, no, we're, we, we're, we're fine. We, we, we find plenty to talk about. Um, so that's not an issue. Um, but she's on her phone more than me. Her phone can't ping without I have to pick it up and look at it. Whereas I can ignore the pinging of my phone for two or three hours. What does she do? She's in commercial property. She's property manager in the city of London. I see. Okay, very good. All right. Tell her I said no phones at dinner, will you? <laughs> yeah, no, we, we don't do that. We don't do that. <laughs> All right. I want to ask you, I want to ask you here. Uh, let's move into, um, and I know we could, I know we could do a whole podcast on this topic. I, I just want you to give me a couple of little tips for today. Advice, advice in today's world for candidates in a job interview, especially on Zoom and video some basics even if it's some basics what would you say to anybody listening like hey here, here are two or three things if you're about to do a job interview on a video here are two or three tips that mitch, want, mitch wants to give you today um I, blimey um i i don't get involved in coaching candidates generally not to any great extent um and perhaps perhaps i should do but look i, I always tell candidates look you've got to do some research you've got to put a little bit of effort in yeah, and it's so, so easy to get good quality information on anyone or anything these days. Yeah, it used to take a month to get information on a company, you know, meaningful information on a company in the old days, pre-internet. Now you can do that in an hour. Um, so just gather lots of info, you know, depending on the job, what kind of job you're in. You know, if, you, if you're interviewing for a marketing job, just, you know, look at their marketing, look at their digital footprint, look at their social media on all the channels, look at the differences, look at the levels of engagement. Um, and at least then, if the company start lying to you, you'll know because you've seen the evidence. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had an instance of this myself where uh, I was having a, 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 an intake meeting with a hiring manager and they lied to me, but I'd already done the research, yeah? Um, mm -hmm. and I knew what the average length of stay of all the salespeople in that company was, and it wasn't what he was telling me. <laughs> there was a big, big difference. Um, so what, one of the things that, one of the best pieces of advice I've always been given, and uh, it's always stayed with me, uh, and I pass it on to anyone who, who, who might want it, is in a job interview, you're not judged by the quality of your answers, but you're judged by the quality of your questions in mm. general. Mm, good one. Because answers can be a little bit kind of formulaic, a little bit kind of off pat, mm. but, but questions, if, you know, if you've done your research, that, that will yield interesting questions. Um, and often, you know, in, in, certainly in my experience of taking a, a brief from a client, 
you know, I've asked them questions that they clearly haven't been asked before. And it impresses them because they think, well, this guy has kind of got his head screwed on in the right place or is thinking about our situation in an interesting way or a, or a different way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just prepare good quality good questions. Yeah. Those are two great pieces of advice that I know some people are thinking, oh, yeah, we, we know that. But I see I see people screw that up every day. They don't prepare properly. And then when you say, OK, do you have any questions for me? No, I don't have any questions. It's, okay. <laughs> you know, I, I, I read something on LinkedIn just earlier today, actually, and I can't remember who wrote it. But I thought well, that's good. That's, good. That's, a, that's a fair point, particularly in, in the climate we're living through right now. And that is where we we've all our lives lived in a culture where candidates are expect to offer up references so that companies can check them out. Mm-hmm. Well, what's, what's, what's to stop candidates asking the hiring manager, can you give me the names of two previous employees that I can go and talk to? Yeah. Great one. Wow. I've never heard that before. I love that though. <laughs> now that falls into the good quality question category Oof. as far as I'm concerned as well. Mm, uh, that a- will test their metal, don't you think? No, or do oh, you think that- some companies would be put off by that? I think it's a great question. I love it. Um, even if they couldn't provide it, I think it's a very in- insightful question. Yeah, that's a great one. What, uh, what, what's going on with this? You know, I hear this, you see this great resignation, right? That's just the new buzz term, right? The great resignation. Is that real? I mean, haven't people always quit jobs? I mean, is it just a fancy buzz term for the media to, to chew uh, on? Yeah, I don't know who came up with that, but um, <laughs> yeah, it, it's because it's it suggests that there's going to be a flood of right. something new happening doesn't it the great resignation um and things don't happen in floods not in business they happen in trickles slowly but surely and then they might you know they might accelerate a little bit but no it's it's bullshit it's bullshit <laughs> it hasn't happened if it has happened it's happening so slowly we can't notice it um but yeah people will start to there's been so much uncertainty and nervousness around COVID that people are sitting tight and think they're not making any unnecessary risks in general. If they've got a job, they think, yeah, I'm not going to walk away from this unless they absolutely hate it. And despite the fact that they're in the stronger bargaining position they've probably ever been, certainly in my lifetime. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's, 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 a, it's like the war for talent. That was, that was a big load of bullshit as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do. I hear the term and I hear people, people ask me about it. I'm like, well, I don't know. It kind, of, it kind of feels like just like it always does. I mean, I don't really notice much difference. I mean, we people quit jobs, people get hired. I mean, we're doing the same thing we did four years ago. So I don't I don't <laughs> I don't really see any difference now. I do think I do think um, and I don't have any stats on this. I, I do think when when the U.S. government started passing out a lot of free money uh, during COVID, I think some people took advantage of that. I think some people were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chill out. I'm gonna take summer off." Yeah, that that happened a little bit, but um, hey, there's the always some collateral damage. There's always, yeah, but mm-hmm. but you know, the sensationalists will pick up and they go, "Look, it's not working. This yeah. socialist policy that the government are bringing, where they're dishing out money. Look, these people are taking." People will always try and game all systems, but then generally in a minority, a big minority, you know. Well, um, you just brought you just brought up a big word. We could we could go down that, but you, you think you think socialism works, Mitch? Are you? No, uh, I'm not you... a socialist. I'm not a socialist. Okay. okay. Although okay. I'm 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 probably left of center politically. Left um, of center. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably. You know, I've got a touch of the libertarian about me as well, but I I think 
look, oh, well, we're, we're getting some stuff <laughs> here, aren't we? Oh, um, I think, I think, I think, I, I think businesses in general need to be regulated more than they have been in the last 20, 30, 40 years. The thing that concerns me most about the, 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 the part of the world that we live in is the fact that the gap between the highest paid person in the company and the lowest paid is mm. just, it's just, just got so ridiculously wide just mm. in the last 40 years. I, th- I, I, I think it's gone, well, I don't know what the stats are, but they're, they're astronomical. It, it, it's, it's almost, we're back to medieval times in terms of the difference between the rich and the poorest, the richest and the poorest. That needs to be addressed for, for me. How, I don't know, I'm not a politician, but so if that makes me a socialist, then so be it. But um, I, I think there needs to be more government programs. I think they need to be tougher on companies who aren't paying their tax in the right jurisdictions. Mm, mm. Yeah, um, mm. yeah. yeah mm. you know, we could, we could go down that path for a couple hours. You know, as, a, as an entrepreneur that had the balls to try to start a business, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm right uh, of center thinking, you know, Hey, look, I, I'm the one that took the risk. I'm the one that, that started, oh, started that. the company. Right. Right. Um, and no, so I feel like, I, but, 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 but there are times I, I remember I was in Naples, Florida. And if you're right by the coast in Naples, I mean, the wealth in Naples, Florida is super high. I mean, just, there is a lot, there's billionaires everywhere. And I was driving, I can't remember what that main street is in Naples, Florida, but I was driving through town and I thought, wow, there is a lot of wealth here. And literally, like if you go, I mean, I shit you not, it's probably like four miles. And it's just a completely different world. I mean, poverty is very close. And I remember thinking that day, and keep in mind, I'm usually right of center, right? So normally, normally I would be like, hey, it's free, it's, you know. Like I would never think, hey, universal pay and equal pay and stuff like most of the time I wouldn't I wouldn't vote for that. But but I remember that day and then I went to this convenience store and there were uh, a bunch of guys there um, uh, that were that were yard workers. They were they were they were obviously they, like they were low paid, like cut the grass guys. Right. Yeah. In the in the rich neighborhood. And I thought, man, like this is. Uh, I, I never went that fast from rich to poor within just a few minutes. And I, that day I thought, man, is this, is this right? This doesn't feel right. Like, I don't, I don't feel good about this. Um, yeah. But no, I didn't I, have, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, yeah. Again, complicated issue, but when it comes to, you know, corporates and their, the way they get around certain taxation rules you know, and transfer pricing, which sits at the heart of it. And they're, you know, they, mm. they, they siphon off their profits to offshore accounts. So they don't have to pay taxes, you know. Yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, so, you know, all we can do is, you know, is try and be as, as active in our distaste for it as possible. So, you know, I, I do that by, I only ever, you know, I buy coffee in places, in businesses that pay their taxes, which means I don't go to Starbucks, for example. Yeah. Oh, good um, one. But, okay. but, you know, I'll contradict myself straight away. I use Amazon, you know, and, and you know, Amazon don't, don't pay any tax for what I, I think I last saw in the UK. I mean, it's just nuts. Um, mm. But it's just too damn convenient. Um, so, mm. I, yeah, I, I don't know. 
I, I think Amazon needs to be broken up personally. Um, that's another that's an, that's another one. Yeah, that's just got so much power. Like, oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, um, these companies, you can't you, we can't live in a world where we all bow down to Amazon, Facebook and Google. Right. Like, that's pretty I mean, scary. <laughs> the, the, you know, the, the owner and our, our version, our poorer version of him is over here is Richard Branson. I mean, they, these dudes are buying rockets, for Christ's sake. Seriously. Yeah? How far ahead of the poorest people do you need to go when they're flying into frigging space for fun? Yeah. You know, that's a great, that, that, that is a great point. I mean, all you got to do is go to some really poor neighborhoods where people, they don't, they, they're wondering what they're going to eat next. And, they, they, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a large gap. I, I don't have the answer. I'm like you. Like I'm not a politician. I don't have the answer. And and I find myself. And I think I think a lot of people find themselves going left to right, left to right on their on their views because they they think this, and then they, and then then they see something that hits them emotionally, and then they're like, oh, now I'm over here. Now I'm over here. And then then they end up in the middle, kind of like probably kind of like us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Most people are somewhere in the middle, aren't they? Um, yeah, I think so. I, I, so. I just I just think I'd like to see capitalism infused with a little bit of socialism. That's all. That's all I, I kind of would like to see. Um, now, if I, I, now I, if I if I if I agree with that, my 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 far right friends here in Johnstown, Colorado are going to take me out to the country and beat me up. <laughs> uh, they're they're going to see me down at the tavern. They're going to be like, what the hell did you say? <laughs> I'm just playing. I'm yeah, just no, I, I, I know things are pretty hot over there right now. I, you know, when Trump got elected, I was so astonished that I just had to follow the news for four years just to see how that <laughs> would play out. So I've, I've kind uh, of got a bit more insight than I've I want to. I want to. I want to switch gears here. I, I meant to when I was asking you about about career, and I know we're running shorter on time. When I was asking you about advice for candidates, I want to come back to this. I wanted to ask you for advice for hiring managers or let's call them the clients of the recruiters. Uh, so many recruiters, my own recruiters, other firms and agencies we talk to, you know, we all complain, right, about God, the client did this, the client did that, the client's got a shitty onboarding process, the client won't communicate, the client won't give me feedback on candidates, the client, you know, we could go on and on. Uh, if you were talking to a room full of hiring managers right now that use recruiting firms, and you could give them two or three tips and just say, look, guys, please, just please do this better. What would you say? Well, I don't think they'd do it, but here's what I'd say. Um, I'd say, do the research, research the agencies. So if you're looking for a sales operations manager, Google sales operation manager and jobs and look at agencies that are advertising for those jobs. Yeah, check them out on LinkedIn. Look at the recruiter. How long has he or she been in the business? How, how do they vocalize themselves? What, what's their writing like? What are their posts like? How well do they sell jobs, if at all? Yeah. What do they know about your sector? Who, would you trust them to talk to the types of candidates you're looking to attract into your business? So do your research. Then once you've narrowed down, if you're going to go down the contingency route, you, you've narrowed it down to two, three or four agencies that you think might be worth talking to, is talk to them, but talk to them properly. Give them an hour each. It doesn't have to be on the same day. Maybe not an hour, but certainly at least half an hour. Give them a good brief. Mm. Give them things to sell. Tell them why somebody might want to do this job. Um, yes. And, um, 
and and I and, and I suppose the other piece, the third piece of advice would be have a very clear idea in your head what it is you want somebody to be in terms of hard skills. So skills and knowledge, hard skills. Yeah. Um, I see way too many job postings that talk about soft skills and attitude, you know, and work ethic and good communication skills and blah, blah, blah. Everyone thinks they've got all of those things. Waste of time. Um, my, my view is, I can't back this up with any stats, but my view is, is if you look for somebody who's got the three or four non-negotiable must-have skills and knowledge that you need to be able to, to execute that job, mm. it almost doesn't matter what other kind of character traits they might have or what background they come from or where they learn what they're good at, whether they went to university or what part of the country they're from or what ethnic group they're from because you know the, the, this thing about culture fit is and I, I said this on a on an american podcast almost 10 years ago and it got met with a little bit of derision but i said look hiring for culture is just code for discrimination really yeah. really really yeah and i, I believe so. that in the most part there'll be exceptions there always are but by and large oh we need to see if they're going to fit our culture I mean, seriously, what a load of horseshit that is, yeah? <laughs> we are all, to a greater or lesser extent, social animals, and we want to fit in. Even me, even me, if I go and work on a project with a group of people, you know, 10, 20 people for three or six months, I want to fit in. I want to mm. get on with people. I want to be valued. I want to contribute. And that's what people do. So if they know, if they've got the skills, don't obsess about the, the fringe stuff. Just, just... Yeah. So can they do the job? Do they want to do the job? And does it make sense for them to do the job in terms of the commute, the money, the, the, the where it fits in relation to their career? In, look, I'll, I'll leave you. I'll finish this off with one thing. In, in all of my experience in recruitment, which is 33 years now, I don't know how many hundreds of jobs I've built. Maybe it's probably into the thousands, maybe. I don't know. But um, it's anecdotally of all the people who have done really well in jobs that I've been involved in placing them in. And if we measure that, certainly one of the most obvious ways of measuring job effectiveness is length of stay. Yeah. How long they stay. Mm -hmm. um, nearly all of those people who've gone on to do well have been people for whom that new job represented logical career evolution for what they were mm -hmm. doing previously. Mm -hmm. Mm. it could be the exact same job but they're doing it on a bigger scale or they're doing it in an environment where the challenges and the questions they're being asked are different mm. Mm. i remember i'll give you i'll give you a real life example i um when i lived and worked in switzerland i did quite a lot of work in corporate affairs for a tobacco company an american tobacco company with all american not like most of them anyway um and of course tobacco was a red hot issue it was in a holy war with the WHO at the time. And corporate affairs is right at the front line of that whole thing. Yeah? Um, be it you know, media relations, government relations, you know, issues management, whatever. Um, and of course, I was talking to people who came from companies like P&G or, or Nestle. You know, and one of the ways I got them interested in working for a tobacco company was, so look, you're going to be asked, questions that are entirely different to the questions you've been asked up to now because pampers or yogurt is not tobacco 
is nowhere near as politically charged or culturally charged, you know, so it's going to make you better at your job because it's a tougher environment. So, mm. I, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, people, people want to fit in, um, but they also want to prove themselves and people that, that need to prove themselves tend to work harder and people that work harder tend to do better. Go figure. Mm. I want to, I want to push you just a little bit on the culture thing, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, yeah. How do you define that? What is your definition of when you hear match the company culture? Yeah. What's your vision of that? Is that the same color, the, the male, female, race, religion? Well, we talk politics. on the radar, off the radar. On the radar, it's do they match our values? You know, the values that they have on the wall or that okay. they put on their website. We're okay. passionate about, we believe in, you know, all that see. stuff. It's I, I kind see. Of soft. And so that's what that's and your definition measure. well that's what most people's definition but then the under the radar stuff tends to then touch things like you know race religion okay. politics sexuality okay. you know and often it comes down to the hiring manager asking themselves the following question in their head would i go and have a beer with this person and you don't think that should factor in no i really don't i really really don't no. Okay. Okay. Well, okay. No, hang on. There's a caveat. There's a caveat. There's always a caveat. There's always a... if it's a small business, then maybe I've got more sympathy for that kind of line of thinking. Mm. But in big organizations, that I don't make makes any difference. There's no one culture in a big organization. There's lots of subcultures. Okay. Yeah. But no. So, so candidate candidate personality to culture fit and small to startup companies may apply bigger companies doesn't yeah, apply a bit more so I, I i'm more forgiving if people make more subjective decisions if they're working for a small company where there's only five or six of you yeah okay okay um but it's a bit of a hedge i know but no i, I don't believe in culture fit i really don't by and large by okay and large. Can, I, can i ask one more question on this would you define um culture is 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 part of the definition of culture culture this example, I want to give this example. Let's say it's a small company, family-owned company, and it's a loud company. The, the founder's loud, curse words, okay. throwing stuff in the conference room. Right. Just It's a very aggressive atmosphere. Yeah. Um, is that a definition of comp company culture for you? Yeah, it is. It is. And okay. it has to okay. be addressed. It has to be addressed. And would, you, and would you put would you put a candidate that is a librarian, super meek, timid personality in that environment? Depends on the job. If the job is being a librarian, potentially. But most of the those most of the companies with those types of cultures, we're normally talking about a sales culture, aren't we? Yeah. And you don't see that type of culture in other departments. It's normally in sales. And okay. you often see it in boiler room environments cold calling environments, recruitment okay. environments okay. in general. Okay. Yeah, it has to be addressed. If that's the culture, that's the culture. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've recruited for companies where there's been quite a swearing culture. So you've got to be able to, you know, be comfortable with hearing people swear. Um, and if you're not, so I used to use profanity in some of the so, ads. So would, so, would, so would you put the super religious, conservative, quiet, meek, timid personality in that culture? Yeah, potentially. I'd, I'd, keep, I'd, I'd, I'd lay it out and say, look, this, this is what goes on here. This, this, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. I still think people can be successful if they don't buy into that 
type of behavior. I don't see, depends on the job, obviously, but, but you know, they're secondary and third factors for me. The, the main factors are, do you have the skills and the knowledge to be able to do this job? And does it would you, would you put, would you put an animal rights activist that's a vegan uh, in a job that uh, butcher shop ma no. makes <laughs> in an I, abattoir? I no, definitely not. No yeah. way. Okay, no, so culture does so culture does matter no, now. Now that you're pushing things to extremes here, Steve, a little bit, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about the run of the mill white collar jobs in okay, okay, in okay. General. Can we agree? Can we agree that? Sometimes culture matters. It's not a black and white thing. No, of course, nothing is black and white. Very little is okay. black and white. There's always lots uh, of gray right. areas, right. situational context. But by and large, I think it's overrated. Let's let's put it overrated. Right. Okay, that's all right. Okay, I'll go with that. I'll go with that. Oh, my friend, I, lo I love talking to you about these topics. Man, we could just go forever. Um, last words from Mitch on this interview. Uh, I think I did. I ask you last time. I can't remember, but I'm going to ask you again. Maybe it's changed. Did I ask you what Mitch's current core core purpose in life is? If you had to define your core purpose in a sentence, did we talk about it? Oh, I'm not know. one of those people that has a core purpose. Oh yeah, you do. Come on. What is really? your yeah? You, well, you give me a clue by telling me. Why are you? Well, let me ask you this. Why are you getting up every day? Well, the business to run. Why not just go jump off a bridge? Well, I've got a business to run. I got kids. And I got okay. people that depend on me. Um, you're headed. You're headed towards core core purpose definition. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm a human ATM. There you go. That's my core. <laughs> my, my, my core purpose. Right. Okay. I'll, I'll give you an off uh, 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 um, an answer. My core purpose is to elevate the importance of writing within the world of recruitment. Everything starts from, when I came into recruitment, everything started from the phone. Every single candidate and client interaction started from the phone. Now it all starts from a keyboard. Learning how to write well has never been more important and will continue to become more important. So my job is to try and make my copywriting for recruiters training travel as far as possible. And that's all Cop I'm thinking about right now. Copywritingforrecruiters.com. Mitch Sullivan on the WriterFlex podcast. Thank you, sir, very much for coming back on the show. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Good to see you again.